Uh, well, this morning, I want to continue our series on Jesus said. Uh, I've been taking and asking a few of you, as you've taught, to take some passages in scripture of Jesus saying things and bringing a challenge to us as the body of Christ, as his people living in this evil, dark world. Um, I believe that being part of a disciple, uh, one part of that is to actually believe what Jesus said. Belief is an undeniable part of your faith walk with Jesus. It's a faith walk. I wish I can prove things to you. I wish that I can debate you into a corner, right? So you have to accept it, but that's not how this works. You have to believe there's a faith element and there'll always be a belief element. And I believe, okay, I use that word, that as you walk with God, this will be challenged. That's why he's given you a community to remind you. That's why he's given you me to help guide you in these hard things, to still believe what he said as you face challenge, as you face society challenge, cultural challenge, as you face your own sin and pain, these things that constantly keep coming up. I want to remind you, church, continue to believe what Jesus said. We have these uh, messages, mine and the others that are shared um, on here, we have them on our podcast. You can go to our website to find that. Maybe you need a reminder this week of some of the things that Jesus has said. We've talked about repenting. We've talked about him being the bread of life. We've talked about being the salt and light of the world. Listen to these podcasts. Remind yourself. Be encouraged to continue to believe what Jesus said. Uh, well, this morning we're going to um, look at one of my favorite passages. I've kind of shared actually at the church before about this passage. I'm going to take a little bit of a different take on it this morning and hope to challenge and both encourage you today. It's in John chapter 12, verses 23 through 26 that I'll put on the screen here for you to read, and then we will uh, kind of unpack this and see what God has for us today. And Jesus, in verse 23, it says, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Verse 24, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. This is a... I would say pretty deep passage of scripture. Uh, there are some passages of what Jesus said that, okay, cool, I can apply that. I know exactly what that means, right? There are other things that Jesus says that are so deep and so incredibly um, significant for our life that I think it takes a lot of years to begin to process, to reflect on, and to understand. I first read this and, and began to understand this when I was, a, I think, a senior in high school. And I was burdened by how I had been living my life for myself. And I wanted to give my life to Jesus. I wanted to give everything that I had and all that my life is and give it to him and let him take this life and invest it in however he wanted to invest it. Now, over 20 years later, here I am talking about starting this master's in counseling and how this passion I have for integrating uh, spiritual health and emotional health. Well, this is how God has invested my life, right? This is how he answered that prayer. And I want to challenge you today to consider what Jesus is saying here, that things have to die in our life to bear forth fruit. 
Things have to die in our life for multiplication to happen. This is so contrary <laughs> to our nature. This is so contrary to our culture. This is so contrary to what seems like the right thing to do. But that's the power of what Jesus says and how the incredible power of belief in this. Okay, It's significant that his kingdom is a different way. The way his kingdom works is so different than the way our kingdom works. And so this morning, uh, join me in just uh, a few observations I have of this passage. And the reason why I do these observations is this is kind of a model and example for what you can do every day that you read scripture. I do this when I read scripture in my personal life. This isn't just for sermons. I do this in my personal life when I consider what is going on in this passage. What can I understand? And you can take that in many levels. Uh, quick observation, you can do some prayer and reflection, you can do some Bible study, There's everything's online, you can find some Bible study, you can Google words and all that kind of thing, but you can do this as a way to learn about God and what he wants for your life, okay? So as I read this passage, um, you know, I'll put this up here again, <clears throat> John 12, 23 through 26, we see uh, that uh, Jesus is sharing this within the context of something. And what happens right before this is people come to him and say that people want to see Jesus. Before that, there are many that are uh, uh, following Jesus and that want to be healed by him, hear what, hear what he has to say, okay? And so one of the first things I, I want, I just observe about this is that Jesus was well-known. I don't know how much I actually think about that, that Jesus was popular at some points, right? Uh, when he came on the scene, he wasn't, but then he starts becoming popular. And what I mean by that, he gets a following. Now we see people follow him. Now, whether they were following him for the right reason or not, who knows? But what we do know is his healing became a popular thing. Word got around. This dude can heal. Miracles happen. I want to follow him. We know that when he feeds the 5,000 or many more, that there are thousands that are listening to Jesus. We see that there are the disciples that get some sermons and some conversations, right? They get to see the most of it. But Jesus does preach in to larger crowds at some points he gets on the water because the, the shore is too big or there's too many people on the shore he gets in the water so his voice will carry over the water more kind of like an amplifying system jesus was well known he had a following he had some popularity okay important point there secondly in the midst of that popularity in the midst of what others wanted him to do and what would seem convenient or um opportune Jesus knows his purpose, okay? He never truly took advantage of his popularity or his opportunity. He stayed on the path of his purpose, what God wanted him to do. He stayed on that path, okay? I think that as it's very difficult for us as followers of Jesus, it's difficult to do to really have a clear purpose and have clarity around that and stick to that. We get kind of washed this way and back and the wind pushes us this way, this way and that way. Uh, we take advantage of things that are around us, but Jesus was clear on his purpose. Uh, and secondly, and third in this passage, what I see is that Jesus really understood God's sovereignty. He's able, okay, to give his life. This is the moment where he says this, he's gonna give his life and die, right? He's able to understand that this whole thing happening, he's having to let go of what he thinks is best or what the, the world thinks is best because he understands God's sovereignty and that God brings forth the increase, not him, not mankind. OK, 
Okay, he's able to trust that God knows all and sees all and understands all. And so he can lay down his life. I've often thought, Jesus, if you just were to minister for one more year, how many more people would have got healed? Right. How many more people would have got uh, came to know him? How many more people would have been helped? I mean, if you think about this, this doesn't make any sense. Take a little bit more time, have about five years of ministry and then give your life. But Jesus understood God's sovereignty. Okay. He also says in this passage is that uh, there's something better than this life in this world. I know this is so difficult for us because all we see is our natural eye, right? We see people have a lot of money, right? We want that. We have some people have a nice house. People have this or that. We want to have what they have. They get, uh, they're the ones that are popular maybe, or they get um, uh, promoted or whatever. We want to have their job. Uh, but Jesus understood that there's something better than what your life is in this world and all that the world can give. There's something better than that, and that's life with him and life eternally with him. Jesus understood this. And so he's saying you can lay down your life because there's something better than what this world can offer. Okay. And lastly, something I observe in this passage is that, um, you know, following Jesus costs something. It's an interesting kind of like uh, almost a paradox that... Jesus freely gives his life for us and forgives us freely. It's not something we earn. It's something we do for, we, you know, we're not working towards it. And yet following him, living his way and the model he gave to us actually does cost something. As I began to learn this as a high schooler and then as a college student, I didn't totally understand what that meant. But over the course of these over 20 years, I began to learn this. Following Jesus costs something. It is, there is a surrender involved as you follow him, serve him, and live his way. You will be laying things down. There's a price to pay when you say yes to Jesus and no to something else, okay? Here is um, kind of this big idea that I want to share with you today in this passage, okay? What I want you to do when I'm praying for you, and I'm going to pray for this after I get done sharing, is that you would surrender your life, okay, to God's sovereignty. Okay, that's what the passage is about right here. Surrender your life, all the control, all things that you have, all your power, all your opportunity, all your resources, all your talents, all your abilities, all your everything you have, everything you touch, your world, to surrender your life into God's full knowledge, God's full power, God's full ability, God's rule and reign. That's what his sovereignty means, okay? He's in charge and he knows best. And you surrender everything to him and you're able to trust his sovereignty, okay? Recently, I reconnected with a mentor friend of mine and uh, she was a mentor of mine when I was in high school. And, um, you know, something she told me this recently is she says, you know, so few of us um, really do trust and understand God's sovereignty. We want it our way in our timing. We don't trust that maybe God sees better. We want results when we want results, right? We want to get results in our way instead of just trusting God knows best and God's not done, even though we may feel like we're done. We've got nothing else to give. Um, this morning, a couple application things. Um as I prayed about this this week, I just kind of thought to share um, three things that I believe need to die in our life so that much fruit can be 
uh, cultivated and brought, brought about. Okay. I just want to share three things that through scripture and the life of Jesus, his example, uh, that I believe that we need to surrender and let die in our life so that we would trust his sovereignty and multiplication would happen and his best would be brought about. So here's three things I want to challenge you with this morning that I believe that need to die in your life, that need to die in my life, and that I believe by the grace of God, he is actually helping you with and on journey with you with to be able to let die in your life, okay? Um, here's the first thing is uh, I almost thought about, you know, put, just putting here the fear of letting go, but I don't think it's that. I think it's the control of the fear of letting go. Okay, fear is controlling, it's defining, it's deciding, okay? It will shape you, it will influence you. Jesus wants this to die in your life so much fruit can be brought forth. See, Jesus' life, he gave his life, he died, and there was the control of the fear of letting go that was not present, that he was able to let that go. And as I've walked with many of you, as I've studied, as I've been a pastor for years and I've followed Jesus for many years, I have seen the control of the fear of letting go define us and shape you and decide your life. And I want to tell you, it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus is working on this in your life. It's not just the fear of letting go. It's the control of the fear of letting go over your life. And I want to tell you something. When this dies, or as this dies, or let me say it this way, the process by which God will do this in your life for this to die is terrifying. I know, know of no other way to say it. It is terrifying to jump off the cliff, okay? It's terrifying to change. It's terrifying to be vulnerable and admit sin. It's terrifying to lay down a dream. It's terrifying to let your kids change. It's terrifying to let them go. It's terrifying to lose the job of your dreams. It's terrifying to lose the world that you've created so nicely around you to let go. It's terrifying to lay down and to let die the perception of yourself. That's what he's doing in your life. Unless a seed, kernel, we a kernel, right? Kernel of wheat falls to the ground and it dies. It cannot bear for fruit. In Jesus' life, it died and God used that, brought about new life and glorified him and brought about righteousness and healing for all of us. Now, if that's not <laughs> amazing, I don't know what is. He's working on your life right now to kill so that the control of the fear of letting go would be removed from your life. It's a process. It's a journey. And I want to tell you, God's going to heal you. Okay. Maybe it's a fear of rejection that controls you so much that you would never be honest with your spouse or your friend, right? Or your counselor. It's the fear of rejection 
that you won't post honest things on your Facebook, okay? The fear of rejection, that you can't be vulnerable with people. I pray today that you would let die the control of the fear of letting go, okay? You can tell I'm passionate about this, church, okay? Uh, because I, I, I've experienced and I've seen the power of this, okay? Secondly, the thing that I think needs to die, I can I give you a million of things, but I'm just gonna give you three. Uh, the second thing that I think that needs to die in your life is the stronghold of life's comforts. Uh, we, I can use things like addiction, okay? The addiction to life's comforts, okay? I believe we're addicted to it, right? Um, maybe patterns or habits in our life. That bondage, that chain, that stronghold that holds you so strongly, right, of life's comforts, okay? Popularity is incredibly comforting. Having people like you, having people with you, people want to sit at your table, okay? That is incredibly comforting. And in this moment, Jesus is able to walk away and say, I'm going to lay down this life full of popularity and following. Like, do you realize people work for this like their whole life and Jesus just lays this down, you know? The strongholds of life comforts want to die. Listen, it's not the comforts that need to die. It's the stronghold on your life, okay? Uh, Jesus is trying to say, listen, there's a lot of comforts in this life. My comfort is my cup of coffee every single morning. It's like my moment of peace for the day, <laughs> you know? I start the day this way. Uh, I have comfort, you know, when I'm with friends of mine, I'm able to do have that. Uh, comforting of maybe some entertainment, things that I enjoy. Uh, comfort of being in control. Okay, it's very comforting to be in control. It's very comforting to feel powerful. Okay, these are the comforts of this world. Convenience is a comfort. I'm telling you it needs to die in your life because you're so connected. It's the, the hold is so strong on you. You're unwilling to give this about, give this away, these comforts in your life the pleasures in your life that this life offers, that you're actually going to lose your life. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying just to hate this life. Listen, I have joy following Jesus, okay? I don't hate that I'm alive. That's not it. But I hate that in this life, I would be addicted to the comforts of this life. I want to be so free walking with him that I would obey him as he desires, and he can bring forth fruit out of my life. You don't surrender your life into his sovereignty because we are held so strongly by the comforts and convenience of this life. This is why for many years I have started to do hard things. I now, you don't need to take a year. I take a year. But sometimes it was a month or a week of abstaining from a pleasure or a comfort thing. Uh, I'm so impressed by you know, Jeff and Rochelle Beeson who – are going to move to a different country. America is comforting. I know we've got some issues going on right now, but listen, there's a lot of comforts in America, a lot of freedoms, right? It's comforting. They're not addicted to that, see? The stronghold has, died, has, has, brought, has already died in their life so they can be free to do that. Now, I'm not telling you to move to a different country, okay? But what I am telling you is the stronghold needs to die, okay? Uh, I know I'm saying die a lot. I feel, you know, I, I don't want this to be morbid, but I'm trying to help you understand that there are some things, there's a cost here following Jesus, okay? The third thing here that I believe that needs to die is your identity that is shaped by this world. See, what the Father wants to bring about in your life 
is all the freedoms and all the identity and all the values and all that he is in your life. He has stamped you as righteousness because the giving of his son, Jesus, he wants righteousness to bear fruit in your life and this to be your normal. We live in life world of e in a life that we've been shaped by evil. What I would say shaped by pain and shame and, and uh, loneliness uh, and, 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 and fear, right? These four things have shaped us. Now fear is deciding our life. Loneliness is deciding what we do. Shame is, is blinding us and clouding the image that we have of God and with God and as his. And I want to tell you, church, that this identity that's been shaped by this world needs to die in your life. Maybe your parents called you stupid when you were growing up. Maybe they never believed in you. Maybe your parents' expectations were so high that you always felt less than and, and not able. Maybe that's part of it. Uh, maybe your identity is uh, 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 your skin color, right? Uh, maybe you got made fun of as a kid, right? Maybe, you know, with the skin color thing, it's in our, obviously we see this with Black Lives Matter and our, what's happening in our, in our nation, our society. Listen, I know that it's feel like you made fun of for the color of my skin. Listen, maybe that's the identity that's shaped by this world. But I want to tell you, church, Jesus has died to give you his identity. And so the process of following him is your identity that has been shaped by these awful things to not be your primary identity, but they, these things will die in your life. So his identity as his son or daughter, as a daughter or son of the king would be your identity. You would have an identity of love and joy and peace and hope that your identity would not just be what has been dictated by your past, but it can be what God says you are. And church, this is the process by which this changes is death. Things have to die for this new identity to grab hold of your life. Again, I'm being loud and passionate. There's not anybody here, right? I'm so passionate as a pastor, as your shepherd. I've seen people derailed by the identity of their past, by the identity of this nation put upon them, by the identity of their family, culture, and values. And I want to tell you, church, that Jesus died to give you a new name. He's died to give you a new identity. And I, as a pastor, as your shepherd, want that identity to define, decide, and shape your life, church. That's what I'm praying over you. That's what Jesus meant when he said, unless the kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, you will not multiply. New fruit can't grow. And I want to tell you that I'm praying today that the control of the fear of letting go would die today. I'm praying today that the stronghold of life's comforts over your life, you'd be willing to let die. That your identity that's shaped by shame, pain, fear, and isolation would die so that your life shaped by his presence his love, his peace, his joy, his righteousness would become your greatest, most powerful, defining identity in your life, church. This passage is a deeper thing, okay? Let me close by saying this. 
you may be looking at this saying, well, so what, right? What, you know, I kind of basically after I read every passage of scripture, I always ask the question, well, so what, what does this matter, right? Here's the so what. This will give you true freedom, okay? Death, complete surrender into the sovereignty of God, surrendering the letting go, uh, surrendering these comforts that have that have that that have a hold on you, surrendering this identity that's shaped by this world. This gives you true freedom. This is how I define true freedom. Okay, true freedom. It is not getting to do what you want when you want. True freedom is not getting to do what you want when you want. This is true freedom. Getting to do what you need when you need it. Just, just chew on that for a second. True freedom is getting to do what you need when you need it. I used this illustration with my kid this week. Listen, freedom isn't being able to eat all the sugar you want all day long and every day. We think that's freedom. That's not freedom. Freedom is being able to say no to sugar so you don't get sick. See, the problem is we can't say no. We are addicted. True freedom Church is not being able to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. True freedom is not always being able to say yes. I want you to hear this. True freedom is the empowerment of God, is the freedom of God given by his, the life of his son, Jesus, and Jesus conquering the grave. True freedom is being able to say no. True freedom is being able to say no to sin. True freedom is being able to say no to what shame does in your head. True freedom is being able to say no to that coping mechanism that you're so connected to because you feel so awful about yourself and so lonely that you've got to do something about it. Church, true freedom is being able to say no when you need to say no. And true freedom comes when we surrender our life in this world into God's sovereignty. I feel like I, I just want you to, if you forget everything else I've said today, drown it all out and just hear this church. When you uh, are able to surrender the control of the fear of letting go and you let things go, whether it's a perception of yourself, your dream, whatever it is your kids changing and leaving all these things, the fear of rejection, if you can let that go off your life, when you can um, surrender the stronghold and the addiction to the life's comforts of what this life gives. Um, I tell my kids all the time, it's too much of a good thing, it's a bad thing, whether it's Netflix or drugs, right? It's, it's all the same difference. Um, when you can surrender your identity that's been shaped by this world, by shame, uh, pain, fear, and loneliness. I sound like a broken record, I know, but I'm telling you over my years in ministry, this is what derails people. And I wanna tell you, Jesus gave a path. And the path is to let these things die. It's going to hurt so that you can bear much fruit and you can live the life he's always wanted for you. I'm going to say it again. True freedom is not getting to do what you want when you want. True freedom is getting to do what you need when you need it. It's being free, being free to say no, to be able to say yes to God's best for you. I know I'm running a little long here, but I want to just pray right now for you. We're going to have some worship at the end. Um, and as we worship, I just pray that you would surrender something. Listen, I know you're, 
it's just words right now. I get it. But if you can just start with saying, God, I surrender and fill in the blank. God, help me to surrender the control of the fear of letting go. God, help me to surrender the fear of rejection. It's too strong right now, God, in my life. God, help me to surrender this identity. It shapes everything I do, God. I want your identity. Pray it now. God will do it, church. So I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to have um, Roger do some worship for us here in a moment. God, thank you today. Actually, Father, thank you today that you love us, that you care about us. I just thank you for your son, Jesus, that showed us the way. The things in our life must die for you to bear forth your fruit. Lord, these are very hard things. Uh, the control of the fear of letting go. Uh, the strongholds of life, comfort and convenience. And especially the identity that comes from this world. Lord, we say yes. Let those die in our life so that we can surrender and say yes to you. Give us true freedom, being able to do what we need, not just what we want. Give us true freedom, being able to say no to these awful things and yes to you. I pray for my brothers and sisters today as we walk this difficult journey to become more like you, to believe what you said, and to be near you no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen.